Hello, this is Father Neil here, and welcome to the February 16th episode of the podcast Catechism with Father Neil. Today we'll be looking at numbers 302 to 314 of the Catechism. 5. God carries out his plan. Divine Providence. Paragraph 302. Creation has its own goodness and proper perfection but it did not spring forth complete from the hands of the Creator. The universe was created in a state of journeying, in statu vie, toward an ultimate perfection yet to be attained, to which God has destined it. We call divine providence, the dispositions by which God guides his creation toward this perfection. By his providence, God protects and governs all things which he has made, reaching mightily from one end of the earth to the other, and ordering all things well. For all are open and laid bare to his eyes. Even those things which are yet to come into existence through the free action of creatures. Paragraph 303. The witness of scripture is unanimous that the solicitude of divine providence is concrete and immediate. God cares for all, from the least things to the greatest events of the world and its history. The sacred books powerfully affirm God's absolute sovereignty over the course of events. Our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. And so it is with Christ, who opens and no one shall shut, who shuts and no one opens. As the book of Proverbs states, many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will be established. 304. And so we see the Holy Spirit, the principal author of sacred scripture, often attributing actions to God without mentioning any secondary causes. This is not a primitive mode of speech, but a profound way of recalling God's primacy and absolute lordship over history and the world, and so of educating his people to trust in him. The prayer of the Psalms is the great school of this trust. 305. Jesus asks for childlike abandonment to the providence of our Heavenly Father who takes care of his children's smallest needs. Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink? Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be yours as well. Providence and Secondary Causes Paragraph 306 God is the sovereign master of his plan, but to carry it out, he also makes use of his creature's cooperation. This use is not a sign of weakness, but rather a token of Almighty God's greatness and goodness. For God grants his creatures not only their existence, but also the dignity of acting on their own of being causes and principles for each other, and thus of cooperating in the accomplishment of his plan. 
3 or 7. To human beings, God even gives the power of freely sharing in his providence by entrusting them with the responsibility of subduing the earth and having dominion over it. God thus enables man, men to be intelligent and free causes in order to complete the work of creation, to perfect its harmony for their own good and that of their neighbours. Though often unconscious collaborators with God's will, they can also enter deliberately into the divine plan by their actions, their prayers and their sufferings. They then fully become God's fellow workers and co-workers for his kingdom. 308. The truth that God is at work in all the actions of his creatures is inseparable from faith in God the Creator. God is the first cause who operates in and through secondary causes. For God is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Far from diminishing the creature's dignity, this truth enhances it. Drawn from nothingness by God's power, wisdom and goodness, it can do nothing if it is cut off from its origin. For without a creator, the creature vanishes. Still less can a creature attain its ultimate end without the help of God's grace. Providence and the Scandal of Evil 309. If God, the Father Almighty, the creator of the ordered and good world, cares for all his creatures, why does evil exist? To this question, as pressing as it is unavoidable and as painful as it is mysterious, no quick answer will suffice. Only Christian faith as a whole constitutes the answer to this question. The goodness of, cre of creation, the drama of sin and the patient love of God who comes to meet man by his covenants and redemptive incarnation of his son, his gift of the spirit, his gathering of the church, the power of the sacraments, and his call to a blessed life, to which free creatures are invited to consent in advance, but from which, by a terrible mystery, they can also turn away in advance, there is not a single aspect of the Christian message that is not in part an answer to the question of evil. 310. But why did God not create a world so perfect that no evil could exist in it? With infinite power, God could always create something better. But with infinite wisdom and goodness, God freely willed to create a world in a state of journeying towards its ultimate perfection. And God's plan, this process of becoming, involves the appearance of certain beings and the disappearance of others, the existence of the more perfect alongside the less perfect, both constructive and destructive forces of nature. With physical good, there exists also physical evil, as long as creation has not reached perfection. 3.11. Angels and men, as intelligent and free creatures, have to journey towards their ultimate destinies by their free choice and preferential love. They can therefore go astray. Indeed, they have sinned. They has, thus has moral evil 
incommensurably more harmful than physical evil, entered the world. God is in no way, directly or indirectly, the cause of moral evil. He permits it, however, because he respects the freedom of his creatures and mysteriously knows how to derive good from it. For Almighty God, because he is supremely good, would never allow any evil whatsoever to exist in his works if he were not so all-powerful and good as to cause good to emerge from evil itself. Paragraph 312. In time, we can discover that God, in his almighty providence, can bring a good from the consequences of an evil, even a moral evil, caused by his creatures. It was not you, said Joseph to his brothers, who sent me here, but God. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive from the greatest moral evil ever committed, the rejection and murder of God's only Son, caused by the sins of all men, God, by his grace, that abounded all the more, brought the greatest of goods, the glorification of Christ and our redemption. But for all that, evil never becomes a good. 313. We know that in everything God works for good for those who love him. The constant witness of the saints confirms this truth. St. Catherine of Siena said, To those who are scandalized and rebel against what happens to them, everything comes from love. All is ordered for the salvation of man. God does nothing without this goal in mind. St. Thomas More, shortly before his martyrdom, consoled his daughter. Nothing can come but that that God wills. And I make me very sure that whatsoever that be, seem it never so bad in sight, it shall indeed be the best. Dame Julian of Norwich. Here I was taught by the grace of God that I should steadfastly keep me in the faith and that at the same time I should take my stand on and earnestly believe in what our Lord Lord showed me, showed in this time, that all manner of things shall be well. Paragraph 314. We firmly believe that God is master of the world and of history, but the ways of his providence are often unknown to us, only at the end. When our partial knowledge ceases, when we see God face to face, will we fully know the ways by which, even through the dramas of sin and evil, God has guided his creation to that definitive Sabbath rest for which he created heaven and earth. Okay, so this section today we continue this um, this study, I suppose, of providence, of God's helping creation, that this is um, that God is there, that there is a divine providence, that the world, God didn't create the world in a finished state. He didn't create a world without evil. 
He didn't create evil, but evil is there as a possibility. I suppose it's a possibility for us because God wants to redeem us. He wants to save us. He wants to help us. He wants to love us. But he wants us to be loved by him freely. He wants us to come to him freely. Not obliged. And in order to be free to love God, unfortunately that means that we must also have the possibility of not loving God. In order to be freely taken to heaven, that means unfortunately that there must be the possibility of not going to heaven, which ultimately is hell. And in this, however, God is always there to help us, always there to take care of us, always there to, to be near us, always there to fix things. But it needs our permission. This is why, in a sense, our life in this world is important. Our eternal destiny depends on it, and it doesn't depend on our strength. It doesn't depend on any innate, inbuilt goodness we might have, but it depends on the degree to which we, we, we allow God to help us, that we collaborate with him, that we are in communion with him. And this is, um, this is why it's so important. And another thing that was talking about evil and in a sense it says the, uh, the answer to evil, and this is one of the problems, I suppose, with the catechism or with anything else, any other attempt to explain the Christian faith, is that the Christian faith all fits together. You can't just take out one element and do it. I mean, the catechism is trying to look at it item by item, element by element, uh, all the bits of the creed, all of the articles of the creed, followed by the Ten Commandments, followed by the Seven Sacraments, followed by the Our Father. But in a sense, to explain anything in the faith, you have to explain everything. And this is why, unfortunately, many times in this, uh, in this podcast, um, we go away from an episode feeling that we've not had everything explained to us, that a section of the Catechism hasn't explained everything. And this is true because the Catechism can't explain everything altogether. This is why also, for example, the Catechism has all these cross-references in it. If you look at uh, any paragraph of the Catechism, Nearly every paragraph has a cross-reference, a number of another part of the Catechism. And this way you can hop about the Catechism, reading, for example, if you look at paragraph 312, that's just the one that catches my eye here, 312 should be read in the light of paragraphs 598, 599, 600, and paragraph 1994. This is how we understand the Catechism. And um, again, in the end, though, in this providence of God, in this fact that God is in charge of the world and that he's bringing about goodness in the world and that he invites us to participate with him. We and the rest of creation, but especially humanity, have this invitation from God to cooperate in his plan, to cooperate in his goodness that we can do or we can decide not to do. We can do good or we can do evil. We can choose the way of life or we can choose the way of death. But that this is a choice, a free choice that we have. And in this, just to always remember that God is doing everything well. In paragraph 313, there were the different quotes from the saints. Again, for once, the, the two of the saints were kind of speaking in English, which is why St. Thomas More and uh, Julian of Norwich 
were a little bit more difficult to understand in the English trans in the English version of the Catechism because here we're going back to the um, to to the original languages. They're it's slightly updated, but Thomas More was probably speaking in English, and Julian Large was speaking an earlier form of English. And even if it's translation, they're still kind of going back to their um, to the original to the original language they were using of English, the original early English that they were using. And this is a bit harder to understand, but they're well worth looking at. It's well worth looking at paragraph 313 to see that God is in charge. And as Julian of Norwich says, all thing shall be well. All manner of thing shall be well. Again, it's not quite correct in our grammatical English of today, but this all shall be well. All shall be well. And this is our faith. All shall be well when we're facing a problem, to know that all shall be well, when we're facing grief or loneliness or despair, to know that all shall be well. So this is what our faith gives us. This knowledge of God's providence, this faith in his goodness, this trust that he's not going to make a mess of our lives, but that he is taking care of everything and all shall be well. So now before we finish, because we're at the end of the section, I'm just going to read the in brief for this part. In brief, 315. In the creation of the world and of man, God gave the first and universal witness to his almighty love and his wisdom, the first proclamation of the plan of his loving goodness, which finds its goal in the new creation in Christ. 316. Though the work of creation is attributed to the Father in particular, it is equally a truth of faith that the Father, Son and Holy Spirit together are the one indivisible principle of creation. Paragraph 317. God alone created the universe freely, directly and without any help. 318. No creature has the infinite power necessary to create in the proper sense of the word that is to produce and give being to that which had in no way possessed it, to call into existence out of nothing. Paragraph 319. God created the world to show forth and communicate his glory, that his creatures should share in his truth, goodness and beauty. This is the glory for which God created them. 320. God created the universe and keeps it in existence by his word, the Son upholding the universe by his word of power and by his creator, Spirit, the giver of life. 3.21 Divine providence consists of the dispositions by which God guides all his creatures with wisdom and love to their ultimate end. 3.22 God invites us to filial trust in the providence of our Heavenly Father. And St. Peter, the Apostle, repeats, Call all, cast all your anxieties on him, for he cares about you. 3.23 Divine providence works through the actions of creatures. To human beings, God grants the ability to cooperate freely with his plans. Paragraph 3.24 the fact that God permits physical and even moral evil is a mystery 
that God illuminates by his son Jesus Christ who died and rose to vanquish evil. Faith gives us the certainty that God would not permit an evil if he did not cause a good to come from that very evil by ways that we shall fully know only in eternal life. So very good, that finishes this section. And so we'll continue tomorrow. And tomorrow we'll be looking at numbers 325 to 327 of the Catechism. God bless.